Thank you, Kisti. Thank you, worship team. Uh, and uh, thank you, everybody, for coming this morning. Good morning. Hello. It's always a privilege to, to bring the word. And uh, for those of us that uh, have not met, my name is Fred. And, uh, and I'm glad that you are part of the service this morning. Uh, last week, during our our annual uh, Baptist Union Nourish Conference in Melbourne. Our topic was fueling ourselves for ministry. And uh, as I was singing that song, I was asking myself, how, how do you guys fuel yourselves? Because when, when, when I'm feeling, when my tongue is feeling low, when, my, when I'm feeling almost empty when I raise up my hands and sing when I worship I feel my my tongue is my tongue is growing up my tongue is filling up and that's why I'm able to sing it's well because sometimes it's not well in other areas of my life whether financially my health may not be good but if my tongue is full I can raise up my hands and say it is well so I don't know what and how you fuel yourself. Because for me, fueling is when I come before God like on Sunday today and sing to him and glorify him. And today we are going to talk about the fruit of the spirit. Because when your tongue is full, when your tongue is well, hatred Bitterness, anger, frustration have no space in your heart and my heart. And, and, and I've noted, not just me, but for many of us, when, when, when sometime you, you're feeling empty, that even, even, even a tiny thing in the house, you, you want to jump and kick it away. It's just, or even at work, when, when somebody's saying, excuse me, can... Can I have extra? You're like, anger starts to burn up. Frustration comes in. Tiny, tiny things start to, to build up in us because the tongue is getting empty. True or false? You guys are okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking about myself today. <laughs> I used to know when my mom, before she was, when she was alive, when, when she... When her tank was almost empty, I used to know when my mom was in, on that level, you don't play around. You don't ask your mom questions. I, I remember one day I was asking my mom for money and instead of saying, I'm sorry today, I don't have, she's like, you know, the look alone itself, it tells you that today is not the day to ask for money. You know, children, nowadays, we, we, we are lucky. The generation today is different. You know, those days, there always used to be something like a small stick around the corner for discipline. If you did something. So welcome this morning. I want us to look at the fruit of the Spirit. 
And for those of us who missed the last time I did part one, during part one I talked about freedom. Freedom. There's nothing as good when you feel free in the spirit. When you feel free in your heart. When you feel free to be able to talk to God. You know, someone said that when Jesus was crucified, the curtain tore into two pieces. And, and people were able to, to see through. But unfortunately, we still have people that are trying to, 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 to put it together. To sew it together. To pin it together. To create another curtain so that we don't access. We don't have the freedom to access the God that has created us. We don't have the freedom to speak to him when you're feeling empty in our lives. And the book of Galatians is about those people. That even when Christ has, had died for these people, when Christ had provided freedom, we still had people that had rules that you have to go through for you to, you to access the Savior. And the same is still happening today. And Paul is telling Galatians that, yes, we had a time for rules. We had a time for law. We had a time for legalism. But now we don't have that time. Now we have freedom in Christ. Because you had a season where the Bible was, the, the rules, the commandments was, were on a tablet. We had a time where the commandments were written there that you read and you do it. But now we have a season where the commandments are not written on a book. Your commandments are written in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And the choice is between you and I to choose the commandments that are put there, managed by human beings. Or the commandments and the rules that are put in your heart through the Holy Spirit for you to, to, to read, for them to develop us and create us to be the character of Christ in our journey. You see, the trouble with the legalism, with the rules, there is somebody that has to manage those rules. I tell you today, you haven't prayed. I did not see you in church last Sunday. You didn't come in church. Those are the rules I'm talking about. Somebody's watching who did not come to church last Sunday. Who has not paid their offering and tithe. Because I can see. Because you haven't paid your tithe. You haven't paid. Who is not water baptized? I can see. But Christ is saying that I don't need those people. Because even myself... I need grace. Even myself, I need grace for my journey. My wife needs grace. My children need grace. So I don't have the authority to stand and question and judge you as Fred and judge us Christian walk. But he's saying now you have the power of the Holy Spirit that sits in you. That is more digital than what we have now. That can tell you and remind you, my sister, my friend. That what you're dealing with is flesh. 
that you're carrying bitterness. You're carrying anger. You're carrying frustration. You're carrying grief. Let me just show you a bit of that before I share about the, the spirit itself. If you carried your Bible, and I thank you for history for reading for us. My question today is why is this food so important in a Christian journey? Why is it important? Why is it that we don't value the things that bring meaning to our journey? We don't value things that bring purpose to our Christian faith. We don't value things that bring the best that can bring the worst out of us in our Christian journey. I remember part one, we talked about addictions, which Paul is calling here the acts of the, the flesh, which are obvious. And he talked about sexual sin, why he talks about sexual immorality. You can name the list there. I put adultery, fornication, and all things that are connected to sexual sin, they're there. He talks about sins connected to the pagan religion, worship that happened at that time, idolatry, and witchcraft that bound people, that drew people back from Christ. Maybe this is not Australia. Maybe the Australia in Kerang, where you're fine. These things are happening in other parts of the world but not here. Just go back a little bit. It talks about sins of temper, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, Dissensions, factions, envy. Most of us will agree that we are dealing with temper sometimes. And I've said, if you want to know that your fuel, your tongue is running empty, these are the times that you can tell. When everything else is going down and your temper is going up, and to feel the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the memories of the things that happened to you, the worst stuff that came, start to boil up in us. I won't dwell much on drunkenness because I've been in a lot of trouble. But I've talked last Sunday, two weeks ago, about drunkenness. Because I've seen an uncle. I've seen an uncle go to the grave because of drunkenness. 
I've seen how somebody can be addicted to drunkenness can sink that down to nothing. When I, was a, when I was a tiny young man, my mother told me that Fred, one day, if I find, not even thinking about, if I find you testing alcohol, you not step in my house. So every time I walked with friends, I was in places. I always remember the, the, the words of my mother used to echo in my head. But today, I stand and tell God, thank you. Because, like I said, I had a number of people in my family that were so addicted to drunkenness. And they struggled for many years. They struggled. And that's why we know that the works of the flesh are so powerful. The desire to live, the desire to stop is there. The desire to to not use it is there, but the, the flesh is so strong that it makes you feel so empty if you haven't used it. Sometimes I do fasting to punish my flesh, but I can tell you it's not easy. The flesh is so strong. There are times I wake up, I tell him, flesh today, there's no food. And, and sometimes you, you, you look around the house, you can see snacks, and the, the flesh is telling you, you, you've been in trouble if you don't taste some of those food. And sometimes as I go running, I've said before, running is, is, is a commitment. When you see someone doing 40 kilometers, 42 It's not easy, but the desire sometimes is to punish the flesh and allow the spirit to take you where you need to go. The friends, we have a choice to make. To please the flesh or to allow the spirit to grow in us and to produce the fruit that Christ allows us to see in our journey in this generation. And we say that for us to experience true freedom from these addictions or the power of the flesh, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the fruit to start to drain us. You can be as good as an angel. You can be as clean. I don't know what the cleanness can be. But if you're dealing with addictions and you pull them out and you don't pull a place. If you say today, I'm addicted to gossip. Let me tell you, even gossip is addiction. You know, you know sometimes we don't realize, but there's so people who are so addicted to gossip. It's, it's like it's, it's testy. But I'm saying, when you pull those things up and you don't plant something, replace that. Something else still grows there. And farmers can tell you, I've never seen a farm that has been nicely done and nothing has been planted that stays empty. And whatever grows in that particular space does not need fertilizer. It doesn't need irrigation. 
doesn't need water. It can grow. And that's why Christ is telling the Galatians and us as Christians that if you want to replace the works of the flesh, if you want to replace the things that we are struggling in our journey, whether they're addictions or sin, whatever you want to call them, we have to allow the fruit of the Spirit to start growing in us. We have to allow that fruit to start growing in us, to replace whatever that was growing there. The society today, we have specialists, we have doctors, we have people that are working tirelessly in the community with their young people to help, to join with young people, but we don't have something that is being replaced to start growing in those places. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul, Paul demonstrates this by drawing a contrast between Hagar and Sarah. Paul says that, for it's written that Abraham had two sons, two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively, continues Paul. That the woman, these women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai. And bear children who are to be slaves. And this is Hege. Continue to say. Now Hege stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia. And corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. And because she is in slavery with her children. And because she is in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother. I don't want to sound prophetic today. Today is not about prophecy. (laughs) But I want to say that Paul saw some of the things that are happening now many, many years ago. Paul saw some of these things. And, And I'm sure most of us, you've seen the streets that free Palestine. You've seen this stuff? Now, if you read these things, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But Paul is justifying here that this is figurative. Because the real message, what Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about freedom for us as Christians. That we can see figuratively what's happening in the Middle East. But we need to internalize in our hearts, what does that apply to me? 
how does this apply to me as a Christian? Because when the real battle will be happen, when the real war will come, it will not just impact the Middle East, the Bible says it will impact all of us in our journey. It's going to impact your children, your grandkids, your extended families when it will happen, the real war. And I think Paul draws our attention to two things. The first contrast Paul draws between uh, Paul draws the first um, between real Christianity and legalism is a contrast between freedom and slavery. When son of Abraham was born by a free woman, and one was born by a slave. Woman. I'll not tell you who the slave production is, but I know who freedom is talking about. I know who freedom is talking about. And what I'm saying today is that legalism is living according to the flesh, the flesh. It desires God's promise. It denies God's promise. Who is Isaac? It denies God's freedom. Who is Isaac? And tries to make own way to God through the law. And that's Ishmael. But the real Christian life is connected to God's promised miracle. And not the flesh. If you're not aware of that context, in short, what Paul is saying that our freedom is Christ. That we can fight about Zion or Jerusalem. We can, you can, they can be there, whatever they want to do. But our real true freedom is Christ. And Christ, like you're going to see here, what he's saying, Paul. And that's what Paul is saying here. But when the fullness, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Continue to say, and because you are sons, God has sent for the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you no longer, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son then, an heir of God through Christ. What, what, what Paul is saying is what I talked about at the beginning. That as, a, as a Christians, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. Because the life you're living now, 
is about life in the spirit. It's about life in the spirit. Yes, we had a time for legalism. We had a time for the things that were done. We had time for the Ten Commandments that somebody has to rock up and read for you and check whether you're actually following them. That do not murder, do not do this, do not do this. And if you did, somebody had to come and arrest you and put you in prison or crucify you. But today we don't have that person. We only have Christ who is going to stand on the seat of judgment to judge you and I whether the fruit materialized or the fruit did not even come up at all. It says they're like trees. We can only produce fruit that is consistent with their character. The fruit of the spirit reflects the character of Christ. And that is who he is. We cannot claim to be Christians and deny his character. In other words, if you, if you live in Galatians 19, the acts of the flesh, of anger, fornication, adultery, you are denying the character of Christ because that's not his character. His character is in Galatians 5.22. And the fruit of the spirit is what? Is I can't hear you. They cannot work together. You cannot have anger and love at the same time. You cannot have this one and the same at the same time. It's a choice. He's saying there are only two covenants. One is on this side of the law. And the other one is this side. And you're going to choose. You cannot be both sides like this. The only animals that I've seen, like my wife is saying, hyenas, they try to do that sometimes. There's a story we are told in Africa that hyena, <clears throat> hyena was carrying a, a bone and was crossing the bridge. And when, when the hyena was carrying a bone in his mouth and was walking on a bridge, he saw the reflection of that picture in the water. So the hyena thought that there was another bone in the water. So it dropped, it dropped the bone that he was carrying to go and pick the one that was in the water. And that sometimes Christians, you, we, we have this fruit in us that is, is so special from the Holy Spirit. But we, we so much, the flesh is, is fighting within us. The flesh is reminding you, you can do these things. This is okay. You have to, you can have both of them. So you drop what you're carrying to take what is, what is in the water. You know, the world has a lot of pleasure. The only thing that we don't have is actually money to spend in everything we can do. Money is a limit for some of us. And sometimes I imagine myself, if I actually got $20 million, what can happen to me? You know, sometimes it's the money, the space that limits us. 
a friend of mine was sharing with us as men. You know, sometimes we have men talk, and uh, a friend of mine who is a pastor was sharing with us his story. And uh, he was telling us how he went to Singapore. He went to Singapore, and that particular day, his wife was left back in Australia. So when he went to Singapore, he went to this nice hotel. It's a five-star hotel, and everything was there. And then he was enjoying himself at night, having um, food and enjoying himself. The manager of the hotel walked to him with, his, with her card. He said, you've been so generous today. That's my, my room number. When you've, when you've had enough, feel free to, feel, to be, feel free to come home and uh, you stay with me tonight. And for almost a half an hour, his spirit was fighting with the flesh. His spirit was telling him, you're a pastor, you're born again, you're a Christian, dare you. And his flesh was telling me, you know what, your wife is so many miles away. If you walk to that door, nobody will not even see you. They won't even know. And for half an hour, he, he wasn't even sure what to do. He sat there. But he said, thank God for the Holy Spirit that convicted him. He said, he stood there and he started crying. The Spirit in him said, you are the Son of God. And God has anointed you. And he stayed and he wept, he wept. And he went to sleep. Bound to tell us, these are only few people who talk honestly some of their stories. Some of us, if your book was to be opened, you're going to disown that book and say, that's not me. And that's what the flesh can do. But I'm saying today, you're not alone. All of us are struggling with something. But Christ is inviting us. He's saying the battle of flesh, the battle of the flesh, you cannot deal it with self. Addictions, whatever you call it, you cannot deal it yourself. But he's saying the Holy Spirit has something for you and I. It has a fruit that can be planted in you. And as you work on it and cultivate it and look after that fruit, it's going to produce something that will help you in your journey. So speaking of the same, Paul said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, whatever. We've read those things. But let us look at the last portion here. It says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, 
let us keep in step with the spirit. Friends, let us keep in step with the spirit. So my question today as I come to the end, number one, my question today. Why is this so important for us? Why is this so fruit? Why is this fruit so important for us as Christians? So quickly, let me just run us through. You know, this fruit enables enables warfare against self-indulgence and carnality. It says in verse, in Galatians 5, 16 to 17, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, and you not fulfill the last of the flesh. For the flesh lasts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to, the, to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. And Paul gives his own example there, so that you know that it's not just you and I. Paul is talking about, he says, For I have the desire to do what is good. But I cannot carry it out. For I do not to do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. And this I keep on doing. And it says, Now, if I do what I do, I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me. That does it. If we don't allow the spirit, this fruit to live in us, the sin lives in us that allows us to do the things that the flesh wants us to do. The second thing, the fruit gives us discernment of what is unworthy. The fruit gives us discernment of what is unworthy. He says that speaking to the Romans, Paul said that hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And that means that unless we have true discernment, we cannot determine what is evil and what is good. Those of us who are familiar with the book of Galatians, I think it's chapter 2 where Paul talks about Galatians, says, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? If Paul came today, I think he'll tell us the same. Because sin is no longer sin anymore. Sin has become obvious. It's, 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 it's okay. You can do the things you can do. And that's why discernment, when we have the spirit, the spirit helps us discern to see this is wrong and this is right. But without the spirit, even if you try, it won't work for us. And for us to maintain the purity of the gospel, the church must distinguish from the heresy, wisdom. Wisdom also demands that we properly discriminate between what is best and what is good. A designing mind demonstrates wisdom and insight that go beyond what is seen and heard. For example, God's word is spiritually designed. 
and to the human mind without the spirit, the things of God are foolishness, according to 2 Corinthians 14. The spirit then gives us discernment. As I conclude, I want to say each day our fruit is tested by the society. And I want to finish this article from John Maxwell. In his book, Think on These Things, John Maxwell writes that Fordick's East German was controlled by communists. West Berlin was free. And one day some people who lived in East Berlin took a truckload of garbage and dumped it on the west side. And the people of the West Berlin could have reiterated, detaliated, but doing the same thing, by doing the same thing. But instead, they took a truckload of cans good, bread and milk, and need to stack it on the East Berlin side. On top of this stack of food, they place a sign, each give what he has, what they have. When the world is throwing mud on us, what do we produce? What do you produce when things are thrown at you? When the challenges come, what do we produce? Someone was asking, what fruit is on your tree? Because what is on your tree is what people are going to test. What is on your tree is what people will see. Quietness. Being yourself is okay. But it's hard to tell. Our testing happens when we walk into the society. When we walk into the community that is pointing fingers. When you work with a tough boss who's quarreling you every time. When you have a spouse that has become a thorn in the flesh each and every time. Your patience is tested. Your anger can come out or the fruit can come out. And today I want to remind us, friends, it's not easy, but it's possible. If we make the right choices, by allowing Christ to be part of us, that's the first step. If you invite Christ into your life to be your personal savior, Christ is saying, give me that job, I'll do it myself. Because he's saying, I want to join with you. I want to plant that fruit in you, that wherever you walk, even when you are tested, like Jesus Christ, who was tested not only in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, but on the cross at the end of his ministry. The test of a cross of the cross was big enough for him to shout and call these people names. But the Bible says, like lamb, he was led into slaughter and he said nothing. And to invite Kirsty and the worship team to come back. And Kirsty and the worship team come back. I want you to stand, if you're able to stand on your feet where you are now.
And think about yourself. How much value do you put on this fruit for your journey? And you think about your own fruit that is growing in you. How much value? What are some of the things you're doing to make sure this fruit is protected? I mentioned last time about the, 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 the fruit fly. And so many other insects that are trying to stray and, and mess up this fruit. What are we doing for this fruit? Let's stand on our feet, please. Because my prayer today, that as we walk from this place, the community is going to see the difference. The society is going to see the difference. That people can see in us the character of Christ. Because his character has been shown there. That people can reflect the character of Christ in our journey. And the things we say, the things we do, how we love people is going to be tested. How we care for people. Are we kind to the society? And the people, sometimes we show kindness, they don't even deserve kindness. Sometimes the people that you will show love, they don't even deserve love. The people you can't love, but Christ is inviting us because we have the fruit. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. Lord, I know even in my own life I've messed up many times. But I know, God, that you care for us. You love us. You've redeemed us, God, that you've given us freedom. You've shown us love and your grace and mercy. And today, as we come before you, by prayer today, that, Father, may you help us to embrace your fruit in our lives. Help us to embrace the Holy Spirit in our journey that can help us to be mature, to be perfect in you, Father, to be holy as you are. I pray for each one of us because each one of us are somewhere on our journey. I pray that help us to get to where we need to be, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.